Hey y'all, I'm Freya and welcome to the first episode of our podcast. I'm here with my part-time co-host, Maya. Hi, I'm Maya. I'm kind of partly co-hosting Too Young to Know with Freya. I'm here, sometimes I'm not. She's going to be here. She's going to be here when I need to converse with someone about my topics. Otherwise, I will do some episodes on my own and then some episodes we'll do together. So that's the thing. I'm, I'm really useful at speaking. I can't stop so doing useful. it. Yeah, in it. Like you just, you can talk and we can talk and talk and talk. That's why we made this. We wanted to go into a little bit more depth about why we made this podcast in the first episode. Because we do have a purpose. Obviously, we do like to talk, but. We wanted to make this podcast because we wanted to draw some attention onto the fact that people our age don't really get the platform or the respect from older people about their opinions or about how educated they are on certain topics, especially political topics. So we wanted to, in this podcast, cover all sorts of topics, including feminism we want to talk about uh, sexuality we want to talk about politics we want to talk about it all all the stuff that adults and people who are older than us tell us we're too young to know about yeah and i think what we kind of want to do here is we're not just like some random podcast that just two friends who talk a lot we're starting to sing it's more than that it's more that we wanted to get a message out there and we wanted to kind of prove that this is something we could do. Exactly. We want to prove that, yeah, we are children. Teenagers are, can be educated, can educate themselves effectively and sometimes present themselves more eloquently on their opinions than adults. Definitely. So what do you want to do today then, Freya? Well, I want to talk about how... Current affairs, right? We are obviously younger, we're teenagers, which means in England we are going through our GCSEs. Cause it is June right now. Well, May, the end of May, beginning of June yeah. soon. And so um, we're right in the middle of our GCSEs. Yeah, and to any international listeners, that's the exams we have to do at the end of high school. Pretty much. And whilst we wanted to talk about why we made this podcast... We also wanted to talk about how not only is it stereotypes that are put onto us by adults, it is also the actual law that you are not allowed to vote until you are above 18, you know, all those things that are suggesting that we are too young to know about mm. stuff, including the education system, which does not teach us effectively about politics or about current affairs. About life skills at all. Or about anything actually valuable. So we wanted to, yeah, prove that we do know shit, man. I mean, um, yeah, I managed to do so much at this age, which I think people would have thought that I would have been un unable to do. Exactly. We're so underestimated just because we're teenagers. And I do think teenagers in the past have been maybe slightly more ignorant to social injustices and you know politics and stuff because we are both white we you know in the past if we were brought up in a different era maybe wouldn't have concerned ourselves so much with certain political thoughts or anything that didn't really have a direct effect on us 
But now in our current time and age, I guess, everything is being brought to light. You know, we have the internet, which has its pros and cons, but we are definitely enabled better research into things like this. So yeah, I think it's time that we start taking an interest in things that are more important in our society and in our world and everything that affects everyone. We all need to care. We all need to put in an effort to change some shit. And I think that if you're if you're coming to this podcast and you're kind of thinking like, oh, these are just two teenagers, don't know what they're talking about. I think this is your opportunity to realize to actually take what we're saying in and properly think about it exactly and we hope that because of our age we're able to sort of explain things in a way that is relatable and interesting and not necessarily easy to understand because that's kind of patronizing but just a little bit more interesting we want to be able to make these topics interesting And a little bit comedic, even, maybe. Exactly. Like, we want to throw in anecdotes. We want to talk about personal experiences. Sometimes we probably will just talk about ourselves. But we also, the whole reason for, you know, this spark and this motivation for us both to start this project was because we wanted to bring light to these issues that obviously aren't talked about enough. But yeah, it will definitely be a mix of both. We won't go sort of too like super super sort of political all the time you know it will be like dipping in and out of it but that was our main reasoning so yeah our GCSEs we're right in the middle right now it's we have the half term so we have a week off but technically it's not really a week off because when we go back it's almost the larger half of our exams I was going to say next week is going to be one of the worst weeks I know. And like some of the people I've been talking to have been saying that they have less exams in this half of it rather than the last half. Basically, in the last, the the lot of exams we just did were all the paper ones. And majority of subjects don't just have one paper. I, I couldn't even name one subject that has one exam and then no coursework. Like all of our subjects have at least two or three exams which I just think is crazy, like the increase in content that we have to learn compared to, you know, a couple of decades ago, or like, you know, a few years ago, you know, people had one test for each subject. And now we're doing what, like, we have six science tests and we took combined science. Like, that's just yeah. mental. See, I actually learned the other day that some secondary schools in the UK, they choose to, instead of doing combined science, do RE as their mandatory subject. What do you think about that? So they take out science as a whole or? No, yeah, they take out science as a whole and replace it with RE. So there's no like biology, chemistry or physics at all? No, and in fact, it's not even a mandatory subject. Only English and maths are. I think whilst, okay. I think that is better than science, but I still think that science should be incorporated in there somewhere. I don't mm. know, like, I know some how do schools... You, how do you feel about, like, the whole, uh, like, forcing RE education? What do you think about that? 
That's a good question because I didn't really think of that. I think RE is such a difficult topic to teach unbiasedly. I think it's important to know about religion and stuff like that because that kind of ties in social studies. But I think social studies should be the subject rather than religious studies. It should be the study of society and how society functions and all the different theories surrounding that rather than just focusing on religion because technically religion has no actual value like obviously it's a belief but it doesn't particularly it's today's society it's not really embedded as much as it used to be basically exactly and i think you know science is definitely more i guess valuable than having like if if you had an re like qualification that's probably not as useful as having a combined science qualification especially when combined science is actually two gcses award wise yeah what do you think about religious studies being compulsory in the curriculum i feel like maybe a better way of doing it is rather than replacing combined science the exam boards should make a smaller science subject so a single award where I maybe agree. you only have to do two or three exams, or maybe just three exams, biology, chemistry, and physics. So it's yeah. one award. And then on the side of that, you could also have some sort of social studies or life skills exam. For sure. Like, I think if they're going to teach sciences, it should be sciences that are relevant to, you know, everyday yeah, that's, living. that's for definite. And especially educating about like important medications and health systems in this country Definitely. would be really really useful to some people and especially talking about like the harm of certain things like smoking and vaping yeah like we obviously go into we we don't even i can't even think of us actually learning about any form of medication in science never but never i think that surely if you're learning about science and you want to make it relative and relevant you should definitely be learning about things like medication and the effects well, that that yeah. has on your body. We need to learn about stuff that actually affects our bodies because as useful as it is knowing how to genetically engineer insulin, it's not going to help us when we're bleeding out. Exactly. And I think, like, especially as school is the bridge to society, we need to kind of learn how to function in society and if it's the bridge, we aren't actually learning anything that will help us survive in society on our own. I'm not sure that school is the bridge to society. I kind of feel like it's more the bridge to work. Yeah, it's the bridge to a capitalist, conformative society. That's not something we want to go into too much detail today. No, we want to make a whole other episode on <laughs> the education system. Yeah, we've got a lot to say about it, to say the <laughs> least. There you go, a little teaser. <laughs> but yeah, like it's definitely easy to say that we are extremely burnt out after this year. Yeah, I think it's also especially a problem in Britain because I think in other countries, the exam load is so much less. So, for yeah. example, the Americans, they only have one week of finals, which is just so much less than we have to deal with definitely i think that they've forgotten i really hope that this year was a one-off and i hope that the year 11 academic year is not 
this stressful for every year group because I think COVID definitely affected how stressful this year was on us because, you know, the government had been so laissez-faire about... So much uncertainty. Exactly. They just didn't really care that much about giving us the instructions and giving us the content that we were going to have in our tests. That should have happened at the start of our year. I think it was too little too late to say that because we got our topic lists but we got them like two or three months before the exams exactly if we had got the topic lists at the start of year 11 i think it would have been a lot better i think that should happen for every year 11 year group like i really hope that no other year group especially the ones coming up now the year 10s now They've been affected by COVID as much as the government will say they haven't. They have been affected by COVID through their education. Like they've missed out. What years have they missed out? Like year nine and The last year that the year 10s had fully was year seven. Yeah. And I think that it is slightly unfair that the government is now removing the advanced information and topic lists. Exactly. It is so false to say that they have not been affected by COVID academically because the years we had, the full years in year seven and eight, I know we didn't have year nine and 10 and that's why they've given us, you know, lenient topic lists and stuff and taken out content. If we hadn't had those full year seven and eight years, we would not have any idea what we're doing as much as they think it's not so relevant because it's not GCSEs and specific to GCSEs. It so is like, Year seven and eight are so important into leading you into your GCSEs and they've just been thrown straight in. And I really hope that they don't have to have it as stressful as we had it. And I think they're going back to the normal grading system, aren't they, from 2019? Yeah, everything's returning back to normal. Yeah, pre-COVID. So I, I mean, we I guess we could take it that we are one of the luckiest year groups, in fact, to have so much support and advanced info. Yeah, I mean, I think we are, but I don't think that we, (laughs) I don't think that should be an excuse. Like, we have not been lucky this year. Like, I can definitely say that I don't feel very lucky. Like, I feel like we've had a shit time. And I feel like, I feel like, like, I can't, I can't talk to anyone and then say, you know, this has not affected my mental health at all. Like, everyone in our year has been affected by oh, this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mentally. And, uh, yeah, I feel like the mental health impact, as you said, has been so much worse than it has any other GCSE season that there's ever been. Like, if you just take a few minutes look on TikTok, you will see that everyone is struggling and everyone is kind of having one of the worst times mental health wise this year definitely and i think like because they took so long to give us the advanced information the teachers didn't know what they're doing like do you remember that time it was like around winter time i think and they were throwing loads of mocks at us because they didn't know whether we'd be having teacher assessed grades like obviously covid is not super predictable but The fact that the government was that unpredictable should not have been the case. Like, we should have felt secure in what we were learning. We should have felt secure in the plan that was going ahead for our education and for our GCSEs and for our tests. They should have. It's a 
Yeah, it's a wider problem with the government that yeah. they kind of don't seem to be planning ahead anymore. It's kind of just a, oh, quick, something's changed. Let's go and change everything else. And they think that that's acceptable. They think that that, be, like, leaving people on that much uncertainty is acceptable, especially children. Like, and the teachers, how much of a shit time they must have had being so stressed about what they need to cover and what they need to teach. If the government weren't sure at the start of this year whether it was going to be teacher assessed grades or like in-person examinations, they should have just said it's teacher assessed grades from the start if they weren't sure what was going to happen. And until they are certain that COVID wasn't going to spike again during the exam season, they should keep it that way. Like they should make an effective way of grading students teacher assessment wise and do it that way until COVID is fully not passed, but like been a little bit more stabilized. Mm. But I also feel like, honestly, they are shooting themselves in the foot here. And what I mean by that is our generation has such a distrust for the current government due to their lack of planning their lack of resource and their lack of support these last few years. And that's going to change the way we vote when we do so. And I think the the year group above us as well and the year group above them and the year groups probably under us that are not going to get any lessened content or, you know, they're going to have the same expectations as pre-COVID. They're all going to have distrust in the government because they're going to have a shit time next year And the year group after them are going to have a shit time in year 11. Like, it is going to be shit until everything has gone back to normal and there have been no more lockdowns that have affected people's education. Like, everyone is going to have a shit time, which means they are not going to trust the government that put them in that position. But I don't really know how much that's actually going to affect how people vote. Like, obviously for us, it's going to affect how we vote. But that was the case anyway. I think people easily forget how difficult this time was and how unpredictable this time was and how much the government let us down like it feels like i totally agree i think that if if we followed scotland's like way and allowed us 16s and 17 year olds to vote as well the shape of politics would be changed already and i think that's one of the largest reasons why they've decided not to implement that policy Can you elaborate on what you mean about Scotland's policies? Because obviously I know, but people listening might not. So in the UK, it's made up of several countries. And within England, the one that we live in, which is also the most populated in the UK, you have to be 18 years or older to vote in our general elections, which is basically the elections in which we vote for the parliament and for the prime minister. Whereas in Scotland... You can vote for both the general elections and the Scottish Parliament elections when you are just 16. I think that's definitely the better way to go. And I don't understand people who disagree that the voting age should be lessened. Like, there are adults that think that 16-year-olds are too young to vote. But I think that if schools effectively implemented lessons on politics that were unbiased and that it's were so hard to do unbiased things though I understand it's almost that. impossible yeah i think if you had separate teachers and you know you had a lesson look okay here we are <laughs> you had you know maybe if politics was the main subject in school like fuck english and maths and science 
scrap the curriculum and make what, it relevant. You, are you going to have a Tory lesson and a Labour lesson? Yeah. Have a lesson for each political party so people can get, children and students can get an accurate idea of what each party stands for so that when they get to the voting age, they know who they're voting for, what they're voting for and how that's going to affect them and their life. Like, I think that just in general, the first past the post system that we have in the UK is extremely problematic. And if you don't understand what that means, basically in the UK, like most countries, our rule is that whoever gets the most votes wins and they have full yeah. control over the country. And I feel like that's problematic because a lot of people just hate all the political parties, honestly. Yeah. And there's, even for me personally, like I'm going to put it out there, I'm a left wing person. Even for me personally, there is not one political party which I can say stands for all my views. Like, no, they just I'm exactly don't. the same. Yeah. Like, I think most people agree. Yeah. Especially me being a transgender person, there is currently no party, well, no main party in the UK that is actually willing to fight for my rights to do things. And I think that's just awful. And I think maybe in the future, it would be really cool if we actually had the ability to vote on decisions rather than parties. Exactly. And I think another reason that, you know, issues such as transgender rights and, you know, you could say the same about women's rights and people of colour's rights, all of those issues aren't like at all addressed because our government is mainly made up of people who went are the one percent who went to the top schools who went to who have privileged lives privileged education privileged everything they don't have a grasp on societal issues and how that affects other people because they haven't had to think about those things ever in their life i like every prime minister has been someone from eton I think Actually, that school should just shouldn't exist. I think that it should become a rule that if you want to run for prime minister, you have to have gone to a public school. That's interesting. Why do you say that? Because going to a private school gives you so much privilege. Yeah. And you can see it in the statistics that, I mean, simply put, private schools simply just do, do better than public schools. Yeah. And, and I think if you that, go... Yeah, it shows that if you get more money, you're going to do better. So I think if you're Prime Minister, you have to have understood what everyone else has had to gone through in their lives in order to actually be the one running the country. And it's exactly. not fair to just get put into that position, living a rich and pampered life. You have to, like, they have to understand that the majority of people in this country obviously everyone is normal like most people are uh, normal working families working people if they cut like i think majority of this country is middle class right no i don't think so i can pull up some stats on that if you'd like though i think middle class working class like maybe lower middle class is the most common we are working we are a working country and people who go to eton don't have a grasp on what that means they don't have any idea the people who the people they're leading are they don't have any idea what kind of needs they're gonna want what kind of issues they're gonna have like obviously maybe 
their schooling teaches them that, but they're still so, not going to have that grasp. So here's some statistics from the Pew Research Centre. 67% of the UK are considered middle income. Okay. So that's actually true. There's a very, very large amount of middle class people here. People. Yeah. And 19% are, would be considered lower income. Okay, that's interesting. So what's, so everyone else is upper class? Yeah, so 14% of people are upper income. Yeah. So only like four, five yeah. less percent. I think that within the middle class. class, though, there's a huge disparity in political definitely, views. Definitely, definitely. I'll be honest, I'm middle class as fuck. I grew up in a nice town with dual income parents who are both in quite like manage, manager jobs, to be honest. Yeah. Despite that, our whole family believes in quite like left wing views. Whereas yeah. we've got friends of families who are in a really similar situation to us who completely believe all of the right wing views. Mm -hmm. I, think, so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I sometimes can understand the disparity, but I don't, um, like, how do you think that you came to have such different views compared to those other middle class families that are similar to yours? I think it kind of depends on my parents' situations to a larger part, because yeah. my dad grew up in a really quite poor part of Belarus, actually. Mm -hmm. And his parents were both blue collar, like factory workers, effectively. Yeah. And similarly, on my mum's side, a lot of the family works quite blue collar public, yeah, public sector jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think their influences and their experience kind of wafted down to our family. Yeah. I think also, if you don't know what blue collar means, it's another word for working class, right? Yeah, blue collar, like, you know, factories, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then if we have, so blue collar is working class, white collar is upper class, middle class. Yeah. So white collar would be like office jobs, managerial jobs. Yeah. Higher income. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, at this point, though, both of my parents are white collar. My mum's a team coordinator at the NHS and my dad's a software engineer who does work yeah. for like Amazon and shit. So pretty big deal. I think it's how you grew up definitely has an effect on what you believe but I know people in my family who grew up quite middle class and I guess politics weren't really talked about but have kind of developed their own political views like there's definitely a divide in my family like obviously my outer family not my like direct family on politics and how like what things they believe in and I think that's really interesting to see you know what caused that change considering they were all brought up the same way how they've adopted these different views and I guess like the media has quite a big part in it and education so, has quite a big part in it and their friend groups have quite a big part in it I think social influence is one of the biggest things because definitely I've I mean it sounds bad but I've known people who them being around me has been able to change their view on certain political things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think if you are able to eloquently explain your opinion that is, and not in a defensive manner, just in an educational way, people are more likely to listen to you and people are more likely to hear what you're saying and take it in. 
But then there are some people who just aren't willing to listen. Yeah, and I think also it's kind of becoming a problem of echo chambers, if you know what I mean by that, which is effectively these days with social media becoming basically synonymous with everyone, especially in higher income countries like the UK. These social media companies like TikTok and Instagram, they are just feeding you content which effectively echoes your thoughts. Exactly. So we end up we end up getting so much content, a lot of it true and a lot of and a lot of it also not true, just being fed to us. And a lot of people just accept it with absolutely no thought. Yeah, you are like conditioned by the media you consume and you are a product of the media you consume. Like if you are someone who reads the Daily Mail, which I mm. feel like we should make an episode on because I have so much to say about the Daily Mail. Daily Mail is just, I mean, to put my views lightly, garbage. Yeah. Like every, <laughs> every single word means jack shit. And it's such a subtle way to condition how you think. It is not, it is not obvious. And some of the headlines you think, what the fuck? How are people reading this? Like, yeah, like sexist stuff, transphobic stuff. They are the most sexist everywhere newspaper I've ever read. But then, but it's so subtle sometimes. Yeah, it's so subtle sometimes the conditioning that you don't even notice it, but it's more obvious from an outside perspective how you've gained those views. And it's the same for left-wing media, like, I guess, Instagram I think that's That's the thing, though. That's the thing, though, Freya. I think that some people listening to this are probably thinking, well, these two, Freya and Maya, they've obviously just been fed some info by their left-wing sources. <laughs> and what do you say to those people? I think I, I would agree. Like, we, I, I'm, a, I'm a product of what I consume. Like, I consume left-wing media, but I feel like, my like my morals and my core and what I stand for will always be what is best for people and it will be equality and I want whatever it takes to have people treated equally in society and the left wing are the people who I feel most effectively do that if the right wing started doing that, then I would be more likely to listen to them. It is whatever is best for society and whatever will make equality and stop Do you think that injustice. In that case, you're quite a selfless person in that you care more about the wider society rather than yourself specifically. I think I come into that though, like I obviously I'm part of wider society like once women start getting treated equally that will benefit me and then I think once people like if people of color were treated equally and people of different sexualities were treated equally that might not directly affect me but I would feel like society was becoming a better place for everyone which in turn makes me happier yeah, I think I think I really agree. Yeah, that's right. Do you think the amount of left-wing media we consume affects our views? Like do you think if we if we consumed the same amount of 
right-wing media as left-wing media, we'd have like different views? Well, I think no. And that kind of comes into the fact that my inner core believes in equality for all. So I'd just be reading or listening or watching the right-wing media and just thinking, what? Like, what are you talking about? I feel like it wouldn't have too much of an impact on me. But then again, sometimes, and I see this a lot in queer communities that I interact with, a lot of things which are right-wing views get disguised as left-wing views to end up causing queer infighting, which if you aren't aware, is where people within the queer community start fighting about like specific things that are queer related. And I think that this sort of thing is becoming like ever so relevant on platforms like TikTok, where there's so many different conflicting views and there's so much going on that it's kind of just like information overload in the end. How do they, what do you, do you think you could like explain more how they disguise these right-wing views as left-wing views. I probably couldn't give you a specific example right now, but I feel like we should definitely do a specific episode on queer infighting and such things. Yeah, but we I definitely think... need to talk about the effects of media onto people's perspectives of wider society. Yeah, and I think that kind of sums up what we're trying to do today, really. <laughs> we went way deeper into that than I was planning, but I hope that was like, semi-beneficial as to where we stand and whether you're interested in hearing more from us that was actually so much fun yeah it's it's a great taster of what we've got to come and if you think you like it go ahead follow the podcast on your favorite app spotify apple we're everywhere yeah and like i said some episodes will be like this and they will be quite in depth and political and yeah but then some maybe a little bit more relaxed and kind of just hanging out and just chatting so there will be a balance of both so I hope you enjoy yeah the first episode and I hope you are interested in what we've got to offer you and talk to you about yeah and also remember guys if you like it we'd appreciate you sharing it with friends if you think someone could learn from this that would be really really cool share it around And eventually, maybe we'll bring out more podcasts. You never know. I guess stay tuned to that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.